Greetings and welcome to another Different Church Podcast. My name is Jarrett and I hope you are having an awesome day. I'm recording this intro at 12.47 a.m. Sunday night slash Monday morning. And I have a couple of things to tell you about. We are kind of finally doing uh, events again. Um, After not doing some for a while, we we did a couple this past month, and now we have a couple on the books in September. Uh, So first of all, we have a beach day on September 18th. And on the 25th, we are going to a magic show. Uh, Chris and Ryan Zubrick are uh, members of our church there, the coolest. And they opened a magic theater in St. Pete uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, it is a fantastic show. And on September 25th, we are all going to go as a church. We would love for you to join us at that or join us at the beach day. Um, Just go to diff.church and then click the events tab. And from there, you can RSVP and we'll see you there. It'll be awesome. So let me tell you a little bit about church today. It was kind of weird. It was one of the strangest services we've had. Um, uh, basically, a few of us had a really rough week. And uh, you know how it is at church. Sometimes you just kind of put a brave face on and like kind of keep going. And so we tried to do that, but it, it didn't really work out. The uh, real emotions kind of came through. And so... Um, it was tough. We had a, a, a tough morning, uh, during the, uh, the singing portion of things. Um, but I'm extremely proud. Uh, the band kind of, um, called an audible and figured out something different. And for the second portion of the set, we just played some cover tunes and, uh, just kind of sang some happy songs. It was, it was really hard to do, uh, you know, some of these, Uh, worship tunes that we were doing this morning whenever we weren't feeling great so a if you were there thank you so much for just kind of understanding and being a part of like um really what church is all about and that's being a community for each other when you need it so i wanted to um throw in one of the songs that we did at the end uh if you don't care about this at all just jump ahead a couple minutes and we can get to hannah she's going to be talking about the armor of god uh but before then let's uh let's sing a little all right this is the last one honestly it's been a little bit of a rough week for me too and just in case it's been a hard time for you i wanted to leave you with a song with a positive upbeat message very simple Everything's gonna be alright. Don't worry about a thing. Cause every little thing is gonna be alright. You can sing along if you want to. Now don't worry about a thing. Cause every little thing is gonna be alright. Yeah, there it is. I rise up this morning. Uh, 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 uh. 
That was Noel on vocals and ukulele, Lyndon on keys, Will on bass, and Dave on drums. Thanks again to the band for uh, stepping up and uh, totally pivoting and doing something we had not planned and absolutely crushing it. And uh, honestly, I think they turned it into a pretty cool moment. So uh, thank you uh, so much for being awesome. Uh, Go to diff.church to connect with us. And uh, without further ado's or a don'ts, let's jump into the armor of God with Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities and the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows from the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit 
I ran out of air. On all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, and with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Have any of you heard this passage before? Yeah. (laughs) Um, I don't know what it was like in your faith tradition if you, like, grew up in one, but the armor of God was, like, a super big deal in mine, especially to kids. Like, there's something about, like, medieval armor and, like, all of this imagery that, like, really fascinates children. Um, And, of course, you know, the image, like, brings to mind, like, knights in shining armor and stuff, although that's nothing what it would have looked like. Why did we even go with that metaphor? It's a Roman centurion. Like, this was not written during the medieval times. So it looked like this, this guy. And actually, I was watching a terrible show on Netflix last night about the fall of Rome and the emperor Commodus. And it's terrible. You shouldn't watch it. Um, but I really wanted to, like, change the slide and get a picture of him. He's just, like, this most beautiful guy dressed in black armor. Just like that. Just black. And, like, we... we centurions just aren't as cool as medieval knights. So that's the image that we went with. We were so fascinated with this when I was a kid. Like, we even had songs. There was a song that was like, I am a Christian, a mighty, mighty Christian. You can find this on YouTube. I don't recommend it, honestly. <laughs> like, if you don't know what I'm talking about, bless you. <laughs> but if you know, you know. So I'm not going to sing the whole song to you because I don't want to, like, make you run out of your screaming. Like, we were like, this is like a huge part. We were like, yeah, Christians, armor. Um, And I find our passage today really interesting because, like most parts of the Bible, it has been used in helpful ways and in some pretty harmful, negative ways as well. And in our Christian tradition, the notion of, like, warfare against spiritual forces, it's often shifted to justify wars against people who are named the enemies of God or these forces of evil. And, like, in our modern context, Christians seem to, like, fight against other people who don't believe or act like they do. Like an obvious example of this would be like the Westboro Baptist Church. We're like, I'm doing it, doing it for Jesus. Uh, But also like think of like the moral majority or like any kind of church organization or faith organization that's like um, those people. We're just gonna use this metaphor of warfare and turn it against someone else. And I feel like it's kind of baked into our psyche as humans to use this language and to use these metaphors. And so it shows up in our language and in our images and in our, like, in our sports. I went to a Christian college. Their sports teams for the longest time called the Crusaders. Not even like a single thought in their mind, like that would probably be a bad idea. They've changed it since then. They were like, oh no, Christians actually did murder like a bunch of people. Maybe we shouldn't be called that. <laughs> but it took them like, years, decades to change that. Some Christian organizations, like it's just in their name, like the Salvation Army. And I'm not saying anything bad about the Salvation Army, but like it's pretty strong to be like, we're an army for Jesus as your title of your organization. And I think it's even more interesting if we think back to this kind of language and then go back to the actual history and context of this passage because our verses come from Ephesians in the New Testament, which was a letter written to a tiny group of Christians living in Ephesus about two centuries, for the first two centuries after Jesus was born. Um, They were a religious minority. They're part of the Roman Empire. Christianity was illegal until 313 CE. So this letter was written to this small little group of people who were facing daily harassment for practicing their faith. At the least, they were harassed, discriminated against. At the worst, um, 
Like the authorities were bored and had nothing else to do, so they would just suppress them. But it could be as bad as they would be killed, they would be forced from their homes, they wouldn't be allowed to participate in public life. And Ephesus is this thriving commercial city that at the center had the temple to Artemis. And in the center of the temple to Artemis on the grounds was a tree of life. I don't know if you know that metaphor from scripture. And this passage is the writer of Ephesians telling this tiny group of people, it's not, he's not saying, you know what you should do? Seems like life sucks for you right now, so you should put on the armor of God and you should attack the Romans. Like, you should just start a war against your neighbors. God will be with you if you start a war. This passage is actually a callback to early Christian pacifism, which we don't like to talk about because that's not very nice. We're like, what do you mean? You can't retaliate when people hurt you? There is so much evidence that almost all of the early Christians were pacifists. Um, they would not take up any kind of arms against their fellow humans. They wouldn't organize, they wouldn't start a revolt, they wouldn't try to overthrow the government, even though they were persecuted relentlessly. And we see this so clearly in stories of the martyrs of the early church. They're, like, there's the sensational stories, of course, of like Christians being thrown to the arena and like wild animals and gladiators and all of that stuff. Um, Nero, very terrible guy, like even like dipped people in tar and lit them on fire to light his parties. So these are like very sensational martyr stories that you may have heard of. But mostly, they were just regular Christians who were either killed by their local authorities or forced out of their homes or their livelihoods were taken away from them. Because the Roman civilization, much like the American civilization, is built on militarism. The appropriate response would be for these Christians to fight back, right? Like if someone's trying to hurt you, don't you have a right to defend yourself? But they didn't. Like time and time again, they willingly died rather than take up arms against the people who were harming them. And it's so interesting because that is the point of this passage and it's been used so many times throughout history to justify wars and harm against other people. Bless you. <laughs> but it's not the point of these verses at all. And the original readers would have known this on such a deep level. Christians were not called to bear arms against other humans because as verse 12 says, the battle is a spiritual one. And like, you know, again, in my tradition, this is like free license to talk about Satan and the devil and like um, demons and principalities and powers and to read Left Behind and all of the books that say there's just millions of things floating around in the sky that you could never see that are constantly out to get you. Okay, sure. Like, actually, when I was, <laughs> this is another kid story. When I was growing up, we had this song we sang in church, and the chorus was like, I went to the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me. And then you just, like, stomped around with, I have my own tambourine, okay? So we stomped around, and we were like, he's under my feet, he's under my feet. And the whole tiny church of, like, 30 people just went crazy. That was, like, our jam. And actually, the pastor, like, after months of this, was like, we're not singing that song anymore, because all of y'all are blaming every little problem in your life on the devil when really it's your own fault because you're just having consequences of your actions. So we're not singing that song anymore. Yeah. It's not either or, though. It's both and, right? So spiritual forces of evil exist. They're truly powerful. Like, I think if we could see everything that goes on in the world, it might be too much for us to handle or comprehend. And also, we exist, and our own little natures exist, and we have a lot of power and agency over our lives, and sometimes we like to blame the devil for things that we have brought upon ourselves. Like if I eat, oh, well, I don't know. What's an example? If I eat so much Taco Bell 
that I cannot leave my house the next day, because you know why. Is that the devil's fault, or is that just a consequence of my actions? It's a stupid example, but you get my drift. So like, given these verses and our specific instruction that our battle isn't against fellow humans in verse 12, and the early church's commitment to this, it follows that Christians throughout history should have just been like exemplary peacemakers, right? Oh no. Oh no. The history of the church reveals a bewildering array of violence in which this rhetoric of spiritual warfare is directed against actual people and becomes literal warfare. Of course, we've talked about the Crusades, the medieval Crusades, the Christian soldiers slaughtered Jews and Muslims and heretics, which by the way were Eastern Christians, not even people of like a different, they believed in Jesus. And they're like, um, but not like the exact Jesus we believe in. So sorry for about, sorry your luck. It's terrible. Um, our Protestant reformers like Luther and Calvin and Zwingli and all the people that we owe our faith tradition to, so why we're not Catholic, it's because they exist and they were Protestant reformers, they approved of the state right in Europe of execution of anyone who was an enemy of God. So again, Jews, Christian heretics, Turks, um, witches, anybody who just didn't believe exactly or didn't say they believed exactly what. And then, of course, in the ensuing years, the Christian empire in Europe did, they somehow justified the conquest and forced colonization of the Americas and Africa and parts of Asia. And we were just like, well, obviously, this is God's will. Any historical study that you undertake immediately will undermine the illusion we have that our Christian history is like this nice, peaceful, sharing the message of Jesus while other people, like Muslims, they live by the sword. No, Christians had our holy wars, and in some ways we still do. And the message of Ephesians is that in the middle of fierce fighting and in the middle of persecution, Christians are supposed to bring the gospel of peace. They're supposed to do the opposite of what's being done to them. The armor of God is only for your own protection, and you get one weapon, the sword of the spirit. And this passage is an extended metaphor of the Roman soldier. So if you could put that picture of that very fabulous guy back on the screen <laughs> that I found on the internet and definitely did not license, so don't report me. This metaphor would have meant something to the people who read it because everyone who read this would have seen Roman centurions and known exactly what, it, what these pieces meant. But we'll just go through them quickly. So a belt of truth, that's the first one. It's not a belt to hold your pants up because nobody wore pants. They had skirts, it was delightful. Uh, it's basically a piece of armor that protects you from your waist to your knees. It's the first thing you put on, and Ephesians says it's the belt of truth. The first thing you put on has to be truth before you do anything else. Now, of course, you may have been taught that by putting on the truth, that means you have to mentally assent to some set of doctrines or some set of beliefs, and you're like, yes, check that box, now I have the belt of truth. Perhaps the better question is not what is truth, but who is truth? Perhaps the better question is, maybe this isn't about mentally assenting to something, but about having a real experience with the divine. So we have the belt of truth. We have the breastplate of righteousness, covers all your internal organs from your waist to your neck. Righteousness, it's a funny one. I don't love that word. It's a very churchy word, but basically it's how you make sure you're not all nice and shiny on the outside and like full of worms on the inside. Like if you ever cut down 
a, a dead tree or seen a, a tree cut down. It looks beautiful on the outside. You cut it out, it's hollow. Jesus continually harassed the Pharisees about this. He actually called them whitewashed tombs, which is a very nice way of saying, you're a graveyard, like you're beautifully manicured. You're clearly taking very good care of yourself, but you're dead inside. And it doesn't matter how well you fit the Christian mold, if you don't have love in your heart for other people, you don't have righteousness. And we have shoes of the gospel of peace. These aren't shoes like we think of shoes. They're like, I don't know why the Romans couldn't like think of actual shoes with covers on the top of their feet. They have sandals and then a shin guard that comes up to the knee. So you can see how every part of your body is going to be covered eventually. I'm like, if you're gonna cover your knee though, wouldn't you wanna cover the top of your foot? Because otherwise someone's just gonna stab you through the top and you'll be like, oh no. I don't know. I, in their mythology, they also have, you know, Achilles. Part of his foot was exposed. So I don't know where I'm going with that. It was way a tangent. The shoes of peace are actually my first personal favorite. And how do you know if you've had them? Here's your question. Are you taking peace with you everywhere you go? How do you know? How do people react when you enter a room? with your conversations, with your friends or family? Do people feel better in your presence? Or do they feel worse? Are you a non-anxious presence for other people? Do you know those people, when they leave a situation, the air is just like electric, it's like charged. You feel tense, you feel upset, you don't know why, they just came in like a whirlwind and they took everyone and they just, they suck the air out of the room and then they leave and you're just like, ooh. If you don't know that person, probably I have been that person many times in my life. Sometimes I still am, right? We all have those days. We have to put on the shoes of the gospel of peace, right? This is the thing the world needs, I think, the most currently, just the non-anxious presence of someone, a person of faith. Then we have the shield of faith. Shields were generally attached to your left arm because obviously everyone in the universe is right-handed. No, we all know this isn't true. But they're mobile. You can protect any part of your body with a shield, which is a great metaphor for faith, right? Like faith is what steps in when you feel like you're being shot from all sides and you don't know, you can't, you're like, I just, it's coming at me, I don't know what to do. Faith is what steps in and says, it's okay. It may not seem okay. I can't see what's in front of me, like the song said. Still, I will trust. Still, I will have faith. And then we have the helmet of salvation. Of course, it protects your head. It's made out of salvation. What does that mean? Salvation is not saying some magic words so that Jesus lives in your heart. Salvation is God saying, I've already declared to you that you are in the right, that you belong, that you are worthy, that you are valuable, that you are good in advance of the final day of judgment. It, we're not even having the trial. It's, not even, it's a long time from now, and I'm already telling you, you have a verdict that says not guilty. You may not feel like it sometimes, right? I suppose the devil could accuse you, or maybe your own mind would tell you, I don't really belong here. I don't really belong in the community of faith. There's no way God could really accept and affirm me and celebrate me the way that I am and at the same time give me the support that I need to expand the goodness that's already inside of you. But we don't have to listen to those voices. 
even if they pop up a million times a day, right? We remind ourselves of the paperwork. It would be like if you moved out of a really bad rental. The landlord was awful. It was always like on you, terrible, always charging you extra fees, et cetera, et cetera. There's no way you could pay this bill. You finally, someone pays, breaks the lease for you, and you get a bill that says pay, owed nothing, right? You move, you go to a different place, great landlord, best place ever, they have a pool. And then the old landlord comes and bangs on your door and says, you owe me more money. No, you don't. Look at the paperwork. It says paid in full. It says you don't owe anything else. Don't let somebody tell you you don't belong. Don't let yourself tell you you don't belong, that you're not valuable, that you're not worthy, that you're not good, that, you're not, that you don't have something to offer. You're already on the path. God has already said you're good. And then after that, you get your only weapon which is the sword of the spirit. And our verses say the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And of course, you know, sometimes we think this is the Bible. And certainly we have weaponized the Bible. Like we have beaten people to death with the Bible. But the true word of God is actually Jesus. And the example that Jesus gave us of what it means to live a life that values other people. It even says that in the Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and it's Jesus. And finally, the passage says prayer. Our passage says we're to pray in the Spirit on all kinds of occasions, with all kinds of requests, pray for each other. And I think that's really beautiful, because we have this metaphor, we have all these armor, right? All of these things you protect yourself with, and actually the final piece is the community. It's not something you can do yourself. Like we have a responsibility to be in community with each other, to pray for each other, to listen to each other, to be there for each other, to support each other. And your prayers, no matter how insignificant or awkward or ridiculous or trivial they may seem, it may be the very thing that keeps one of your family from going down that day. The writer of Ephesians says at the end, goes through this really long metaphor about armor and like what everyone needs to do, et cetera, et cetera, which would have been really meaningful to these readers. And at the end, he's like, basically, I know it sucks, but stand firm. When you have done all you can and you feel like you're losing the battle, just stand there. This doesn't mean conformity. There's a difference between being stubborn and, being, and standing firm. I'm stubborn, or at least, I have been told by many people <laughs> my entire life. When you're stubborn, I feel like you're tied, like we get really tied to opinions. We get really like rooted in prejudices. We get closed-minded. We're like, no, this is what the truth is. This is what's right. Like, don't bother me about it. I don't want to talk about it. You're just wrong. And Paul, who's the writer of Ephesians, he's saying, I know what you believe. I know you believe in Jesus. I know this, and I know it's hard right now. But don't be stubborn about it. Don't just stand there and make life difficult for other people. Don't attack other people the way that they're attacking you. Don't be grounded in something that's transient, but be transformed by something that's transcendent and renewing. It means willing to be, being willing to be humble, to risk being unpopular, and to maybe suffer ridicule, to maybe have hard conversations with your family when they don't agree with you, to maybe set boundaries with people 
who really don't accept that you can live in freedom, that you don't have to have chains anymore. A stubborn person never listens to ideas that are different than their own. It just rejects it. Like, no, I don't even want to hear it. Regardless of the situation, I'm not changing my position. Like, enshrines itself in this closed circle of cer certainty. Like, this is what the Bible says, and I believe it, and the end. But is it the end? Standing firm is different. Standing firm means you're willing to listen. You're willing to debate. You're willing to consider other perspectives to reach a beneficial goal while at the same time not sacrificing who you are. It gives us purpose and meaning. Like in the middle, we might ask like, is this really worth it? Is it really worth it to have the conversation with someone who doesn't know who I really am? Is it really worth it? Is it really worth it to speak up in a situation where people are saying some things that I really disagree with and are harmful to other people? Is it really worth it? They're just gonna think I'm that weird person. They're an obnoxious person. They're gonna think I'm super woke. Which is a big deal if you have my family. <laughs> we have to put on the armor of God, not so we can attack other people, so that we can be protected and have the strength to stand when everything might seem like it's against us. And yet, the community of faith is around and says, I'll lift you up and I'll be there for you and I'll text you in the morning when I know you're not doing well and I'll call you in the evening and I'll drop off flowers at your house and I'll hug you if we're allowed. The armor of God is actually what enables us to live peacefully. Not in the militaristic sense of the verse like, walk softly and carry a big stick. No. Walk softly and live openly. Live freely. And act in ways that free other people. No matter how strange or difficult or odd or hard things seem right now, we can actually lay down our weapons that we pick up against each other and maybe only turn them to things that steal our life and steal our joy steal our sense of purpose in our community and our belonging.
All right, this is the last one. Honestly, it's been a little bit of a rough week for me too. And just in case it's been a hard time for you, I wanted to leave you with a song with a positive, upbeat message. Very simple. Everything's going to be all right.